as you've gone through and managed people, what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen in in the way that you've needed to to grow, learn to manage these folks, but also that other people stumble into in managing people? I think one of the things is that I've had to force myself to learn is to manage them at their level, not at my level or their personality type, not at my personality type. I took a long time to learn and I, I realized that every personality type has its own needs and its own nuance. And it's like having kids, so you can't raise them all the same because they have different personalities. So it's very much the same way. I definitely overmanaged or got myself into some trouble when I was really young running the restaurant because I had just managed everybody the same and it just doesn't work that way. Welcome to the Next Peak Podcast, where we help you redefine success and achieve goals that are actually important to you based on research and real life stories. I am your host today, Clint Herndon, joined by my good friend, Justin McGuire from California Pools in Austin, Texas. He is one of the hosts on Pool King. So if you've ever watched that show and the amazing pools that these guys build, he's one of the, the magicians that makes that happen. I've gotten to know Justin pretty well over the last year, and we've talked a lot about business and managing people and managing life. And today we're just going to have a fun uh, back and forth conversation. Justin, how are you, man? Great, buddy. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. It looks like you're sitting right next to one of your pools you created. I'm sitting next to my pool, and it's a little breezy. It's nice with the cold front coming in here in Texas. We don't get that very often, so we're going to enjoy it. Yeah, very nice. Hey, before you became one of the pool kings, give us kind of the 30,000 foot view of the steps that got you where you are now. Sure. My mom was a pool builder. And so I'm a second gen pool builder, grew up swearing I would never do it. Never say never, right? And uh, I went to be an architect and things change as they usually do when you're going in college and try to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. And one day mom called me from when I was living in another state. She said, hey, I need help running the business. Come down and help me. And I did. A couple of years later, I bought the company from her and that was in California. And we ran that for about 10 years and then ended up here in Texas, opening up a new franchise out here. All right. So how long have you been out in Texas now? I've been in Texas almost nine years now. Okay. And yeah. you're not coming back to California, I take it? No, sir. <laughs> well, I'd never say never. Right? Right. I said that, but just, maybe that means it won't happen. But the goal is to not go back to California. Yes. That's awesome. And at some point you had some experience in restaurants. I remember you told me that. I did. I did. I ran restaurants for a couple of years when I was uh, living in Vegas. I managed to be the youngest GM in that company and they had 360 units. So they treated me like that. It was, <laughs> but uh, we had a pretty successful location and, and uh, I left thankful never to go back. That's awesome. So as you've gone through and managed people, what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen? In, in the way that you've needed to, to grow, to learn, to manage these folks, but also that other people stumble into in managing people? I think one of the things is that I've had to force myself to learn is to manage them at their level, not at my level or their personality type, not at my personality type. I took a long time to learn and I, I realized that every personality type has its own needs and its own nuance. And it's like having kids, so you can't raise them all the same. Because they have different personalities. So it's very much the same way. I definitely 
overmanaged or got myself into some trouble when I was really young running the restaurant because I had just managed everybody the same and it just doesn't work that way. I heard somebody say, uh, can't treat people equally the other day. And it was on, mm. gosh, what podcast was that on? I don't remember now, but it was, uh, he said, I know I'm going to get some backlash for this, but you can't treat everybody <laughs> equally. And, it, and he gave the same example. He said, you, your kids are such different people. We're all different human. You can treat them with the same level of respect, but you've got to manage right. people and, and uh, lead them differently. Yeah, it's true. And if you don't, you'll put yourself in a world of hurt. And really, you don't help them meet their potential either. And that's one of the big things. If you're trying to lead your team out, it's, you know, just like coaching. I coached a lot of ball when, when my kids were growing up. And the whole thing is to get the best out of everybody on your team. And, and if you treat everybody the same, somebody with a lot of skill or somebody with not as much skill or somebody with a lot of heart or not much heart or they're lazy, you, you've got to adapt to that. And if not, you're just, you're going to fall flat on your face as a leader, which I did plenty of times. Do you think that's a natural default that people think that they need to come in and, and bark orders and say, hey, this is the way it's going to be? Or do you think there are people that just come in as natural leaders and they realize that I'm about my people, I'm about serving my people? I think as I've grown and matured and met so many other really good leaders, and, and I think there's just the heart for people that you either have or you don't, and that in leaders that just really, truly want the best for their team, not just for them. And when I was young and running the restaurant, that's what I did. I went and parked orders. I was told by my regional manager, they're not your friends. And if you don't go in commanding respect and telling them what, what they need to do now, you'll never get them. And that's what I did. And we lost 40% of our staff in the first two weeks. <laughs> oh, geez. Which was good because they needed to go and end up running a great restaurant. But I probably could have been a little more tactful. So Justin, the Napoleon uh, comes in and, and starts barking orders. Huh? Yeah, that went over real well, but it created a, a change in the restaurant that was needed. Ultimately, it was the tough way to get there again. And I think we could have salvaged some of the team. I really believe that. And, and we had some really good people, but. I just didn't get it. Yeah. And as you look back at that, though, I think we probably all go through that a little bit of insecurity, being young, being put in charge. I want these people to respect me. I need to know what I'm doing, that kind of thing. But as you look back to those experiences and then to where you are now, how do you see the performance of your team being different now in the way that you manage versus when you manage like that as a restaurant? That's a great question because I think then your team operates out of fear. And there was no, no vision or anything in place then. It was just, you show up, you do your thing, do what the boss barks at you and you move on. And there's no care, really deep care about how the organization does as a whole. And I think as I've matured, it's trying to communicate a vision of some sort to the team. And you lead differently with that. And you get your team on board with those things. Everybody's moving towards a purpose. They're not just showing up and going home. And so I think people care a lot more ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was listening to Jocko's podcast the other day, funny enough, because uh, he was talking about this very subject. And he said, people have this this view of the military being this type of leadership that's very autocratic and very top-down. You will do what I told you to, no excuses, and, and lead by fear and intimidation. And he said, that's just not the truth. He, he said that there are supervisors that try to lead like that. And they're not very successful and they're very short-lived. And just to your point, he, he said, people only do the minimum when they're being led by fear and intimidation. They just want to do enough for you to not bother them, basically. Exactly. So as your business has evolved, and we've talked 
quite a bit about this subject, but inevitably businesses go through a period where everything's kind of chaos. There's a million things going on. How do you manage during that time? How do you prioritize things? How do you find the surface when it feels like you're drowning? It's tough. And I think if you're in any business long enough or in an industry long enough and you go through the ups and flows of a business cycle, you tend to have to run the highs and the lows of that. This year, especially last 18 months, has been especially difficult, I think, for a lot of businesses because we've had so many different things to deal with. And in the construction world, it feels like it's compounded. I think I just had to figure out what I needed to get done that day and focus on that. And what can I do that day to move the ball forward the most? And what can I help my team do? And in all reality, I felt like I was not a very good leader this year because I was in the trenches next to him because we were so busy and so really understaffed. And I think one of the things that does though, is that allows you to have an appreciation for what they do every day and being in the trenches instead of being above everything and, and watching over, it gives you that appreciation for the chaos that kind of happens at the ground level. And having that understanding, I think has made me better. Every time I go through these cycles and these really difficult times, I've come out the other end so much better, I think, as a leader, because I have a better understanding of that moment or that situation. Well, and you've clearly led it well, because this is an unprecedented time with COVID. And you're, you face staff shortages. I know you, you and I have talked about how you couldn't get equipment. You're, you finish a pool and you're waiting for you know filter. And yet you had a, a very good year business-wise. You're still doing a lot of volume and still able to service your customers well. And, and now it sounds like you're coming out of that, but at least you're starting to take the steps to get out of that chaotic season. It's true. Yeah, very true. When you're in the middle of that, how do you personally stay healthy and balanced? Oh boy, that's always been a challenge for me. I've always struggled with the term balance. I've always been, some would say a workaholic. My wife would say that. I'm an early riser. I think that's one of the biggest things is I am at my best early in the morning. So one of the things that, that I really try to do to get things done, like get up early, you know, four o'clock and when it's really crazy, go in. And that gives me three, three and a half hours before anybody comes in the office. And I am super productive during that time. The other thing was really taking control of my calendar, having specified days and times that I did very specific things. And my team knew that from seven to nine on Tuesday and Thursday, my phone's off, my email's not getting checked, my text messages are not getting checked because I'm totally focused on the business. And that was really helpful to get that back. And you know what? I got way more done in those two hours than I would have been an entire day trying to do those things and deal with the distractions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time blocking has been a huge part of my saving grace too, where I cannot respond to calls, emails, texts <laughs> during this period. I need to focus. I need to get work done. And then it's funny, you can accomplish those uh, return phone calls, return emails so much quicker when you just do it all in one shot too. And I turned all the notifications off my phone years ago. because Every time you get that notification, you look down. It takes you two or three minutes just to get your mind refocused back on, on what you were doing. And I really found that because it's easy to go down that rabbit hole and then you're completely out of what you're doing. <laughs> and that's easy for me. So I have to be really diligent on making sure that I'm doing that. Yeah. So one of the things that looks really fun, at least from my perspective, is when you get to do the Pool King shows. How did that come about? By accident. I, like most things, I think. Our parent company was approached some years ago about doing the show and they put it out to all the franchise owners. Hey, does anybody want to do this? And I, I don't like getting my picture taken, let alone being on screen. And so I was out. We had a couple other guys do it, but 
three of my projects were featured in the first season. Mm. And through some circumstances, those guys weren't going to do it anymore. And since I had the relationship with the production company, they asked me if I wanted to basically, instead of them traveling around, just film our pools. And yes, there was a comfort level that was there at that point because we I'd had a little bit of camera time. I was nervous as I'll get up, but I realized how good it was for business. And so we did it. And I like learning about other industries and Boy, I did. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> so you're not ready to go into the film industry is what you're saying? No, sir. No, sir. It looked like a natural when you do it. So, uh, Really good editors and a whole lot of takes. <laughs> uh, that's how we keep the podcast going right there. Lots of edits. Hey, it, it's so funny because if people hear about the show, they think this Hollywood kind of thing. It is so different. It's actually a little grueling being on camera like that is exhausting. And I have a newfound respect for those that do that. It's not easy. Man. <laughs> no, I, not. I would struggle with the same thing. I hate being on video. That's why I sit behind a microphone and talk all day. But yeah, I remember when I was introduced to you through Alex, our friend Alex Judd mm-hmm. and Olivia Graham. And I went immediately and Googled Justin McGuire and the Pool Kings because I I wanted to see what this was all about. So it looked like you were uh, pretty comfortable, but you say it's all edits. I I don't know if I believe that, but you look like you're getting pretty comfortable. (laughs) Anytime I feel like I'm doing a good job, I just let my kids watch an episode and they tell me how terrible I am. So (laughs) it just keeps you humble. (laughs) There's a level of honesty that comes from your old family, for sure. Yeah, there is. But Uh, mom thinks I'm a rock star. That's what they're for. Exactly. When you look back at at either on the show or just something you built, do you have a, a favorite project that comes to mind? Yeah, I would say probably my favorite project we did. That was the first season we hosted. So our second season, my second season on the show, um, we had a, a really big project that had a huge lazy river. And that was the first one I'd ever done. And it was about six months of sleepless nights because I wasn't sure when I flipped the switch if this thing was going to work or not. But it really ended up being such a beautiful project and it hangs on a big 36 by 48 glossy picture on my wall in the office. We are super proud of it. It's it's a beauty. It's cool. So that's something that's important though. You're pointing out to your team victories and goals that you achieved and something that you're proud of. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think most importantly through all of those, through all of those shows and I, with all of our clients, I don't care how good the product turned out is, are they happy? Is the client happy? That to us, nothing else matters other than that. And that's our core. One of our core values is we're relational, not transactional. So it's not just a project for us. We really are building relationships with these folks because you're with them for so long. Yeah. Do you think that's something that a lot of business owners miss when they're in business? They start thinking about the transaction. Yeah. And I think it's easy to do, especially the longer you're in something, because it's easy to get jaded and just get caught up in the struggles of everyday operational things in the business. And I will say, this is one of the things that as I look back at the doing the TV show, you know, oftentimes we'll do a project and we'll hand the keys off to them, if you will. And, you know, they, then you part ways to a degree, you're not in their backyard every day and you're not seeing them every day and they just do their life. And then you move on to the next project. One of the things doing the show is we have this big reveal and they have the big party and you get to step back and see, oh, this is why we do this. Mm. This is fun. These are the memories. These are the cool things that happen once we're gone. And this is what it's all about. And that, that rekindled that. And that was really exciting. 
Yeah, but that's quite a bit different. You're actually getting to see your clients use the pool and have fun with their friends and family instead of, okay, we're done. We're going to pull our tractors out. See you later. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been really encouraging too, because again, it, it just gets away from the nuts and bolts of the daily things. And you're able to bring that back to your team and, and you can remind them and all of the, the guys not showing up and stuff breaking and somebody doing something dumb in the field. This is what it's about and be passionate about it. It's a good reminder for them as well. So you've touched on two of the big key points in running a business. One is the people that you're leading and making sure that you're encouraging them and growing them. And then you've also touched on not allowing your business to become transactional or a commodity and and actually building relationships. Are there any other keys that you've developed in your own mind or, or through your business that you think, wow, this is, if I could write a book on how to run a business and send it to myself 20 years ago, I would add these key points. Oh man, that's deep. I think it would be a long book. Cause if I do everything yeah, then that I know now, man, but I think you know, the, the funny thing about that is, is I don't really have any regrets. And that's the interesting thing is yeah, I've made a ton of mistakes and we've done a lot of dumb things, but those are the things that actually grow you as a person and a leader. And I don't know, and there may be a handful of things I'd take back, but I, I don't know how much of it I, I really would. I think probably going back and looking from a maturity standpoint, it's really appreciating every person on the team and what they contribute to the team. I'm naturally an operator. I was never a salesperson. I be, had to become a salesperson at a particular point in the business when I had to lay everybody off on the market tank back in 2009. And I was very anti-sales back then because I thought it was a cushy job. And, and, and so going back now, and then I, when I had to do it, I realized you have to have sales to have an operation. And each of those times we've had those struggles, it's made me appreciate that particular, I don't want to say cog in the wheel, but that part of the team even more. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting more weight on one side of the business and yeah. the others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. So what, uh, what's next for you coming up? What problems do you have to solve and challenges you have to face? I'm always trying to look ahead. What's next? I need to be, as an entrepreneur, it's a little bit of a disease, I think, because I always have to be excited about what I do. I like to fix things. I like to be finding what else we can tweak and tune. And we're getting to the point with our staffing level and getting our organization together that I'm looking for what's next. What can I get excited about next? And I don't know if time will tell. I think we're done with TV for a while. So that opens okay. up, frees up some time and, and uh, I don't know, we'll see what comes next. So I always like to ask people how they keep growing, how they keep learning and really importantly, what resources do you rely on? So the question I like to ask is what are your top three books and why should everybody read them? Yeah, I, I will say probably the book that's had the most impact on me in my recent years is Profit First. You and I have had a lot of conversations about that. We've always run a profitable company. It's just something that's changed the mindset for me in how we allocate the dollars. And it's been hugely successful for us. I think in the midst of the turmoil, I probably listened to Turn the Ship Around three times, four times uh, as an audio book. Just was when I was in the heat of everything blowing up on us. I do a lot of podcasts. I love business podcasts. One is Founders Journal. I love that podcast. It's quick. It's to the point. There's a lot of really good things I get out of that. And I love Business Wars. That is a fantastic one. When I'm exercising, that's the one I put on and just listen to these backstories of these two companies that are duking it out. It's fascinating to me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You've turned me on to Founders Journal. I, I like that one a lot. Yeah. He's got a lot of great info. He does. Yeah. 
So awesome. Thank you for coming on at such short notice. If people want to catch up with you or California Pools there in Texas, where can they find you? Our website's californiapools.com. I'm in the Austin market. We've got our Instagram page, same thing, California Pools. Uh, I don't do a ton of personal social media these days. <laughs> I try to keep my mind, but yeah, that's the best place to catch us and catch us on Pool King. You can catch us on DIY at Discovery Plots. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Any uh, parting shots before we call it a day? Go enjoy a great, uh, great evening. All right. Do the same. Thanks, Justin. Hey, if you've enjoyed the Next Peak podcast today, please subscribe, download it, and send it to a friend. We'd also love to get some reviews from you or some feedback if you want to shoot us an email. We read all of those, and sometimes we make adjustments because of those. So thanks for taking the time to do that. Until next week, keep climbing your next peak. <laughs> <laughs>